This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. One of the European Parliament's 14 elected vice presidents was arrested by Belgian police on suspicion of having taken bribes from an unnamed country. Eva Kaili, a member of Greece's centre-left coalition, was expelled by her party after police swept up cash worth about €600,000, US dollars, in raids around Brussels. Unattributed sources told two Belgian outlets that Ms. Kylie had been suborned by Qatar. Vladimir Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said Bakhmut in Donetsk province has been destroyed by Russian forces. Russia is throwing all of its might at the town, even though it would be unlikely to make further advances were it to capture Bakhmut. Meanwhile, Ukrainian forces struck the occupied city of Melitopol in the southeast with a missile barrage. Ukraine also reported that Russian drone attacks had severed power from all but the most critical infrastructure in the southern port city of Odessa. Three human rights groups, one each from Belarus, Russia and Ukraine, accepted the Nobel Peace Prize in Stockholm. The director of Memorial, a venerable Russian group that was banned last year, said he had been ordered by Russian authorities to refuse the award. The Belarusian award was collected by the wife of a jailed leader. She said it was Russia's intent to transform Ukraine into a dependent dictatorship, like her own country. Vyosa Osmani, Kosovo's president, announced that upcoming local elections in the north would be delayed amid an outbreak of violence. Kosovo had scheduled the elections in majority Serb municipalities for December 18th. Days of protests have erupted into explosions and gunfire. The volatile region has been on edge over a spat about number plates. Kosovo wants to replace those issued in Serbia with its own. Caroline Ellison, Alameda Research's former chief executive, has reportedly hired a former top regulator from the Securities and Exchange Commission to represent her in a federal probe into the FTX collapse. Alameda was a sister trading company of FTX, a now bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange. Bloomberg reported that Stephanie Avakian will represent Ms. Ellison amid allegations that customer funds deposited at the exchange were traded by Alameda. Japan's parliament enacted a law to ban organizations from maliciously soliciting donations following criticism of the fundraising tactics of the Unification Church, a cult-like religious group. The church has close ties with Japan's governing Liberal Democratic Party. In July, Abe Shinzo, a former LDP prime minister, was killed by a man whose mother had joined the church. Football World Cup Football is not coming home to England after they were knocked out by France, the reigning champions. Meanwhile, Morocco beat Portugal 1-0 to reach the semi-finals, becoming the first African team ever to reach the late stage of the tournament. Portugal's loss was the latest in a series of upsets in Qatar. And word of the week. Reichsburger a German far-right extremist group that rejects the legitimacy of the Federal Republic in favour of the German Reich 
of 1871. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Artemis Splashdown On Sunday, if all goes well, a space capsule called Orion, with three human dummies on board, Commanders Moonkin Campos, Helga, and Zohar, as well as a Snoopy doll, will splash down in the Pacific Ocean. Orion is all that is left of NASA's first Artemis mission, part of its program to return astronauts to the moon. If Orion's re-entry is a success, the next step will be a crewed lunar flyby in 2024, followed by a crewed landing in 2025. For comparison, in the gung-ho 1960s, the time between the first uncrewed launch of a Saturn V and Neil Armstrong's One Small Step was 20 months. Meanwhile, at SpaceX's launch site in Boca Chica, Texas, Preparations continue for the first orbital flight of Starship, a vehicle that should be able to replicate the space launch system on which Orion was carried into space, but at a tiny fraction of the cost. There's a new mayor in Tinseltown. In November, Karen Bass became the first woman to be elected mayor of Los Angeles, On Sunday, she will be sworn in. Kamala Harris, a fellow Angelino, and the first female vice president, will administer the oath of office. It is a show of solidarity among two California politicians who once competed for the same job. Both were shortlisted to become President Joe Biden's Veep. Miss Bass is no political neophyte. She spent five years in the state legislature and more than 10 in the House of Representatives. But running L.A. is a different kind of challenge. America's second biggest city is reeling after a leaked tape exposed the racism of city council members, and voters are frustrated by worsening homelessness. Miss Bass promised to declare a state of emergency to tackle the latter issue. The L.A. native said she wanted to be a mayor to help fix her hometown. Angelinos will hope she succeeds. TikTok's growing influence in the music industry. For a platform dominated by Generation Z, golden oldies do surprisingly well on TikTok. Among the video-sharing app's most popular songs in America this year, a list of which was released this week, is Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill, A Deal With God, from 1985. The song owes its resurgence to the Netflix show Stranger Things, It provided the soundtrack to over 2.6 million TikTok videos this year. It's not the first time that a vintage tune has resurfaced on the app. In 2020, Fleetwood Mac's Dreams re-entered streaming charts after appearing in a viral video of a man skateboarding to the song while calmly drinking a bottle of cranberry juice. TikTok has become integral to how artists promote their music. For fresh faces, gaining popularity on the platform is often a ticket to a record deal. But they face stiff competition from the stars of their parents' generation. Weekend Profile Itamar Ben-Gvir, Israeli's likely new national security minister. At age 19, Itamar Ben-Gvir 
was Israeli's most toxic political activist. He had been the leader of the youth wing of the far-right anti-Arab Koch party when the Israeli government designated it a terrorist organization in 1994. A year later, he was tainted by the assassination of Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin. He had no part in the murder. By a Jewish extremist furious about Rabin's attempts to compromise with the Palestinians. But weeks earlier, Mr. Ben Gvir had vandalized the Prime Minister's car and boasted on television that we got his car, we'll get him too. Now aged 46, Mr. Ben Gvir will soon be made National Security Minister in the incoming government of Benjamin Netanyahu. He was once considered too dangerous to be conscripted into the army. Now he will lead Israeli's police, which previously investigated him for inciting violence. To many, his rehabilitation symbolizes the hard-right turn of Israeli politics. Mr. Ben-Gvir's mission has been to make palatable a movement regarded by nearly all Israelis as beyond the pale. Raised in an affluent suburb near Jerusalem, he moved to a Jewish settlement in the occupied West Bank. He opened a law practice that specialized in representing radical Jews accused of anti-Arab terrorism. He joined the party, Jewish Power, on a platform softened just enough to comply with rules prohibiting political parties from inciting racism. After years of leading groups of thugs in the streets of Jerusalem crying, Death to Arabs!, he began correcting them to shout, death to terrorists instead. But the rebranding wasn't enough. In 2020, the party received only 19,000 votes. Its salvation came from Mr. Netanyahu, who in his quest for a right-wing majority pressured Jewish power to merge its candidate list with those of two other far-right parties. The new Religious Zionism list, which Mr. Ben-Gavir co-leads, won 14 seats at the election in November, making it a critical part of Mr. Netanyahu's coalition. Mr. Ben-Gvir is trying to project a more moderate image, promising that as security minister, we will make sure law-abiding Arabs are secure as well. But his election night message revealed his long-held beliefs. It is time for us to return to being the landlords of our country. World's Oldest DNA Reveals Ice Age Ecosystem DNA samples can reveal much about the lives of ancient animals, but new research published in Nature, a journal, shows how environmental DNA can illuminate whole ecosystems, too. Scientists harvested eDNA from sediment thawed from permafrost in northern Greenland. Unlike genetic material from one animal, eDNA is the microscopic spore of many different species, including plants and microorganisms. Scientists, tooled with computing power and libraries of present-day species genomes, used it to reconstruct an ecosystem from the Ice Age. The two-million-year-old ecosystem was home to birch trees, geese, lemmings, reindeer, and even mastodons, an extinct elephantine creature. This astonishingly complete snapshot could hold clues about how ecosystems adapt to extreme conditions, as the climate of that epoch resembles that predicted under future warming. 
The project also expands how far back in time DNA hunting can reach, not only at the poles, but also in Africa, where the clay may contain genetic material from early man. The winners of this week's quiz. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random, were Martin Kokurik, Bratislava, Slovakia, Sarah Forney, Pittsburgh, America, Arjun K. Gurjali, Hoser, India. They all gave the correct answers of Mirage, New York, New York, Luxor, the Twelve Caesars, Sahara. The theme is Las Vegas Casinos, the Mirage, New York, New York, Luxor, Caesars Palace, and Sahara. And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Alfred Noble. If I have a thousand ideas and only one turns out to be good, I am satisfied. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.